Welcome to Psychopath in Your Life. This is episode number 104, and today I'd like to talk about psychopaths as victims. What role do they play in making victims, and what role do they play in seeing themselves as victims? So um, what I'm going to be doing today is interplaying some conversations that I had with the psychopaths that I interviewed for my book. And I want to be very clear that I will keep interjecting when I'm using their words and not my words. So in case you're listening along and you think, hey, wait a minute, that sounded like something a psychopath would say. Well, that's what it will be. So I'll try to keep really clear here and focus so that we don't lose track of what I'm saying versus what they're saying. So what I did was I was trying to figure out from these psychopaths what their feelings were about victims and how they saw themselves as victims. So I first started asking them about this show that I watch. That's a really great show and it's called American Greed. And basically the premise of the show, it's usually Ponzi schemes and they're all run by psychopaths, of course. And usually these evil people get people to um, mortgage their homes, give these people all the money. And then in the end, unfortunately, everybody loses, except for, of course, the criminal who spends very little time in prison. So anyway, so American Greed is kind of an interesting show if you're looking for shows about real-life criminals um, and psychopaths. So we were talking about this American Greed show. So what Bill had to say to me was, he said, I too have watched American Greed. My surprise is not that people bought into the scam. Where I am surprised is when the victims are shocked that it happened to them. Yeah, we do get shocked. And all these murder cases, we always act like this is like we just landed here from Mars and the first time we're seeing any of this. So he goes on to explain that the victim card is an ace in the hole, meaning they play the victim card as their ace in the hole. Your empathy is your weakness. In your haze of empathy for my plight, you will believe whatever I have to tell you. This leaves open a door that I can't help but to walk through. I will often set up my own mini disasters so that I can play victim in order to sway you to my case. It's a simple math equation. A disaster that's not my fault plus poor judgment equal pitiful me equal welcome to the puppet show. See, they use those three things to once they've gotten you hooked in. So what I wanted to ask them was, um, I, I asked them, I said, does this mean that you think it is the victim's fault if they are abused by a psychopath? Here I'm trying to get their whole feeling about their where they think they're, where they go into this. And it was kind of interesting what he said. He said, narrative grammar, it ends the way it begins. Not well. White Knight turns up to save the day and has to sacrifice himself nobly in the name of a higher cause. Nobody ever remembers all the murdering he does between the arrives to save the day and the grand heroic gesture at the end, probably because they call it saving the day to solve their precious consciousness and keep their idiotic fairy tale world glued together and nailed. See, that's what they think about their victims. And that was part of one of the motivations for my book was uh, because of so many people continue to have relationships 
Um, and normally it takes, I think it's like seven or eight times to escape. So hope here is that maybe, maybe if people understood how these psychopaths thought about them, it might make not picking up the phone a little bit easier the next time. So we went on to, he went on to talk about if, if they're really good on, these guys are good on the advice stuff. If people spent more time trying to understand how stories worked rather than just chanting the same old ones, it'd be less difficult for them to make sense of. See, we, that, that's my whole thing is I'm, you know, going to agree with him here is I always try to figure out how do we get here and, and how do these things work? Because we're destined to repeat them if we don't get the first part. So he goes on to talk in a very charming way. Here he goes, whatever frothing insanity she would have come out with, my advice to her now, because he's talking about his ex-girlfriend, because I was asking him at, what the relationship was as far as the victim. My advice to her now would be the same as then. Get down off your crucifix and move on with your life. Get psychiatric help. And for the love of God, don't breed. This is what this is actually how they think about things. Okay. So, um, so then I went on to ask them further as far as, well, how do you get people to believe that you're a victim? You know, what do you possibly tell them? And what they, they all talked about this damaged card, meaning that something was wrong with them. Not that something was wrong with them, but that's the story they sell is the damaged card story. And they said, and how it works is this. They said, you need to be careful if you do this too early on. It needs to be something that you tell them about yourself that no one else knows. And it needs to be something that it's not normal for everyone else to know. And then he went on to give me this list of things. I mean, to me, this all was pretty incredible that you ask them one question like, how do you convince somebody you're a victim? And boom, here's my list. So he goes on to say, this is his list for he uses to... Uh, privately, you know, down the road, hearing voices, but just one, being molested when young, that's an excuse, watching a close friend commit suicide, being bashed by your parents at a young age, having severe depression, and one that does work is surprisingly is remorseful ex-hitman. And you know, the ex-hitman thing, I thought that was really something else because I had just seen like I don't know I don't within a week or two a couple of shows about um, victims who got brought into these relationships and the way that the psychopath used to isolate them was to claim that they were running from the mob and they had killed somebody or yeah and actually it works so I, I was kind of surprised because this guy is in another part of the world and he's coming up with his hitman stuff. And I thought, wow, that's really something. But it does. And I've seen so many cases where they convince the victim that they're like ex-CIA. And this is how they can start to separate the past and the background. And also it heads off any questions. So, for example, if the psychopath's parents aren't talking to them for good reasons, probably because they can't deal with their you know, or ways, they will head you off from ever wanting to talk about their parents by telling you things that about they were terrible people, they beat them up when they were kids, they abused them. So that way, if the parents ever do try to contact you to maybe say, hey, my kid's a psychopath, you should leave, you'll already be prepared thinking these people are the problem. So see how they can use the victim to 
predispose you. So if anybody tries to challenge the victim role, they have something already in place here. So um, the ex-hitman thing was pretty pretty interesting. And, you know, they do resurface a lot, um, these psychopaths. No matter, you know, how far time has gone, how much time has traveled, be careful because they do tend to recycle down the line. So anyway, what I, what, what, what he was saying was I was trying to ask him is how do, how do you get people to um, get into this mode of believing that you're a victim? And he's felt that from the thinking of the victim, the thinking of the victim is maybe I can save him or her. And that's a really good one. It could be different this time. Even if such a thing were possible, such thinking misunderstands the situation. Yes, because nothing is going to change. So we're, we typically use thinking that we would use in what would be more, more, more normal kind of relationship. Okay. And in these relationships um, and with the victimization, everything is always someone else's fault. Um, like if there's a divorce going on, no matter what happened, I mean, it, it takes two in, in a lot of cases. And, but sometimes it just does take one. But what will happen is, is that they will always find fault with the other person, whether it's in a relationship or at work. So, and these are also things to look for. You'll start to hear that, you know, my wife doesn't treat me right, my girlfriend, my blah, 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 blah. You know how the story goes. So, they will consistently always blame others and portray themselves as the victims. So I keep talking about this victimization. And they will try to, if someone crosses them, they'll always retaliate. And I hear that a lot from people over the years. They're saying, well, I'm going to get even. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And my advice is get off of their radar and stay off of the radar because nothing good comes in contact when you recontact a psychopath. So um, they, they don't care about you. So people have actually um, done audios that they've prepared you give to them to try to plead their case. And it's very sad because stop and remember the reason things aren't working out is because this person doesn't think like you. And the way that they portray this victim thing makes it really hard for a caring person to get out of this kind of trap they've set. Because at every corner, anytime you might object to something, some other curveball will come out. Um, like, you don't understand me. Everybody's always mistreated me. Look at my life. And see, that's that's how they work on the empathy of the victim to create more victims. So, it, it, it's, it's a weird thing. It's kind of like when I was talking about hate. It, with victimization, you don't know where it starts sometimes and where it ends. And a lot of times people become, you know, they naturally they become ensnared unsuspectingly. People don't wake up and say, next person I'm going to date is going to be a psychopath. So it's not as easy as everybody wants to make it be. But it all has to fall back to this victim thing. So I don't know. Um, they... He, he goes on to say this very interesting thing about trust. And what he says is, people trust me because they want to trust me. I want them to trust me. I even want to be able to trust them. That's never going to work out. I think it may be the process of realizing yet again that I cannot. And then this starts to decline into disappointment and eventual heartbreak. 
he's talking about heartbreak for the other person. He's kind of trying to make it sound like him, but there were points of these conversations that this one in particular would try to kind of weave things into there. Um, and then, you know, somebody would have going back and forth. So they would, um, once they get the person, then they want to victimize them. And then once they victimize you, they want you to believe they're the victim. See how it all just kind of goes in this whole big circle here. So anyway, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to close for right now. And I had one more thing to say about it. Where is it? I'm terrible at my notes sometimes. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. These people are really good about handing out instructions. So he says, um, let me get this over here. I can drive. And if you want to be a strong person, and yet the first time I show you, teach you, give you strength, you act like I just stabbed a bunny at Easter. See, they're saying, I mean, it's like they want to control. That's what it's all about. And so they use this victim thing to vacillate back and forth between the control. So you start to get the picture here of how this poor psychopath is feeling like, hey, I'm trying to be the good guy here. You're getting all surprised. So, and he goes on to say, and I said, people don't know what they need. I think that's probably kind of true. I mean, I've seen people that get married and they have no idea of who's going to handle the finances or where Christmas is going to be spent and all this kind of stuff. So he goes on to say, they never think what would be required to prop up their dream just so long as they get it. Bacon may get many people drooling, but there's no stomach for slaughtering the pig to get at it. I do not mean to paint myself as a victim. The point is to take away from this, if victims want to stop being tossed about in all of this, then they need to stop thinking like victims. And that's where I think you start to see it um, change in victims when they start moving from feeling like a victim to knowing that they're a survivor and that's where you need to go. So stop trying to, more advice from him, stop trying to understand, stop trying to empathize. Because see, they keep throwing crazy things at you. So at some point you have to just stop. Most of all, stop trying to fight the lesson being taught. The world is not as nice, safe, or fluffy as you'd want it to be. And unless you face this fact, you're going to live in basically forever helplessness. If people really find the lesson even a fraction as traumatic as they make it out to be, I would have thought it all the more valuable that they actually bothered to learn it. See, that's, they're the, you know, behind every bit of madness, and they're not mad, but, you know, it is some truth because... We do need to stop after things happen to us, and um, once we can move beyond the pain and start to work our way through it, is acknowledge and work through a path forward so we're not stuck in this role. So, you know, he does come up with a pretty decent point there. He goes on to say, I think the rule should be something like this. If you are doing something every day and routine, you should not expect to be at risk just by existing in that part of your life. If you are doing something that you know makes you vulnerable, romantic relationships, business deals, underground street fights, <laughs> these guys come this up, or something that should raise your suspicions, an offer that sounds too good to be true, in whatever context, then you carry some responsibility and just start looking out for yourself. So you got to kind of, you know, when I'm doing research, I'll look at just about everything because I think that's actually some pretty solid advice as far as the 
we get these lessons, but the trick is, is that a lot of times people just absolutely do not pause for long enough in between these relationships to sort out the first one from the second one. So it just becomes one big continuum. So I don't think we actually quite get it. So let me close with what he goes on to say here. If I am not solely to blame for all this, if the buyer should have stopped to check the product and are partly victims of their own greed, do I really have to blame myself for that? Well, I would argue yes, but let me continue on. It now strikes me as arrogant to think that I am so powerful and clever and devious and charming that it was ever all me. I am taking credit for other people's feelings, which mean I am also carrying the burden of blame for them. And that was just a line of BS because the guy went on to not do anything but blame everybody that ever entered into his path. So it becomes very complicated when you look at victims because you've got a psychopath here portraying themselves as a victim. You've got the victim who has bought into this victim. So it just becomes this huge circular mess of victims. So what I'd like to do is close for now. The show does come out on Tuesday. So if you want to subscribe and click that bell. I do enjoy reading your comments very much, and we'll pick this up on the other side later in the week. Talk to you later. Be safe out there.